Hello and welcome to the Free Like Me podcast by FLM. This podcast aims to help people like you navigate the world of financial planning. We'll be delving into things that we and our clients care about, talking about hot topics and inviting you to get to know our team a little bit better. Hi everyone and welcome back to the FLM Free Like Me podcast. My name is Gemma Cottis and I'll be hosting this morning, continuing our series of Money in Sport. Today, I am joined by my FLM colleague and financial planner, Ben Smith. Ben, it's the it's a shame that the listeners won't get to see your face on this one because um, obviously it's a podcast, but if you could see him, Ben frequently gets praised for his skincare routine um, as probably the only advisor with over a decade of experience to still look about 15, 16 years old. Um, <laughs> welcome, Ben. Thanks, Gemma. Yeah, you're always really great at um, mentioning that to everyone we meet. So so thank you for always um, pointing out how young I look. Most people bring it up before me. <laughs> but more importantly, sorry, Ben, we are also joined by Ollie Phillips. So Ollie has had a successful career in both rugby sevens, captaining England to victory on numerous occasions. But he also played for four clubs in the 15-a-side game in both England and France. And retiring from rugby with numerous accolades for his performance and leadership, Ollie now works at PwC whilst also continuing to share his enthusiasm and leadership skills with others through various channels. Ollie, it's a pleasure to have you joining us. Jim, thank you very much for having me. Um, as complimentary as I think I've ever heard you in the past towards me, so that is exquisite. I know you can now become my agent, which is what it's all about, really. Um, although I clearly have to do some work on the skincare front to keep up. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a bit harsh, Gemma. You didn't, didn't give it Ollie any credit for his skincare yeah. routine. Yeah, wrinkly well, Ollie, what, what's the nickname that you said that you used to have? Well, there's a lot, but the, weather, you know, the, the most common was Benjamin Button. <laughs> I think that's you... because I meant I was going to look like Brad Pitt, but everyone says it's nothing to do with that. It's because they look like some old weathered tennis ball but either way we take it <laughs> you can take the Brad Pitt angle if you like but unfortunately yeah. Ben doesn't have a successful career in rugby to um to put in his intro so um it would work Ben you look like Brad Pitt <laughs> and I'll just play rugby oh, you, you, look, we'll, we'll take the skincare routine offline we'll, we'll, we'll discuss exactly. that later we need to yeah. <laughs> um it's a shame that everyone can't see this um Anyway, so this week we're continuing the conversation about money in sports. So, Ollie, this one's probably um, or hopefully an interesting one for you. So starting from the beginning, why don't you um, start by telling us a little bit about your early experiences with money in your sports career? Um, blimey, it's, it's a big starting point. but um, <laughs> You've got this. Yeah, I mean, I th- I, well, I think, to be honest with you, my initial experience of money in my sporting career was there wasn't a lot of it um you know i I came from durham university where i was just living the sort of standard student lifestyle of you know beans on toast and whatever i could get hold of um and then uh, i love beans on toast i think it gets labeled as a student meal but i would choose to have it it's a it's a delicacy (laughs) it's a luxury at at university um so yeah so that, that was sort of where it all began and then um I got I got scouted or whatever recruited into Newcastle Falcons relatively early, but 
you know, the money in those days, I mean, even now it's probably quite similar, but in, then when you were sort of a, an academy player or a young sort of basically young punk coming through, you, know, you weren't getting massively well remunerated. I remember I was initially when I was at university, I was in the academy and I was, I was on a thousand pound a year contract, which was just oh, wow. ridiculous. And then <laughs> when I went full time with them, I was on 600 quid a week, uh, 600 quid a month, sorry. So, I mean, absolute peanuts, but, you know, at the time, um, considering, like, you know, the the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of what people earn. But that was, you know, as a 19-year-old lad coming in, just trying to cut your cloth and trying to get into the first-team squad, that, that was sort of par for the course. So that was sort of my experience of money right, right from the beginning. So it was... Um, it was a lot more beans on toast from even when I was playing. Were you? Did you feel equipped or educated on how to handle um, that? Um, I mean, obviously, the honest answer was no. Um, I think you know, I, I I've been at, at Durham, so I, I sort of you know I've done a business economics degree at Durham and whatever else, but that you know, it's all sort of theory. No one actually teaches you a lot about. I think that's one of the things that's lacking in modern day education anyway right it's just it's just this yeah. understanding and background in you know life form of better description yeah. of like okay we you know what is a you know your favorite Gemma but you know what is a pension what's the what's the point of it <laughs> you know, love pensions you know or you know even the basics of like ices and setting yourself up properly so that you so your savings are, are making money for you etc cetera, etc cetera. so I, I just don't think there was really any financial literacy anywhere um so a lot of it was self-taught or through making mistakes or whatever else so that was yeah definitely at the beginning even though i didn't have a lot of money i didn't have a clue about how to manage it yeah and and ollie were you balancing um studying and playing at that stage then so you, did you still have income coming in from um student loans and those sorts of things or... yeah so i was taking more and more debt but um <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, so I was taking my student loan out, and then at the same time playing and earning a, a, a couple of quid for from Newcastle, as well as you know, managing my studies, which probably would have would have definitely played second fiddle to to playing for Newcastle and playing for the university as well. So I mean, I always think that you, that's why I think university is such a great place to go, is because it's a it's this brilliant sort of transition zone that starts to teach you and make you, you know, cut your cloth and a little bit in terms of how you live and manage your life and all you yeah just eases you in a bit but um but yeah i mean that was you're balancing all those bits at the same time definitely so when you were in the early years of your career when you were playing up in newcastle um you were part of a, a scam which unfortunately isn't really an unusual situation in the world of of, of sport um, and sort of revolving around money. Do you mind telling us a little bit about this and maybe how it affected you? Uh, yeah, I mean, so there's, I mean, you always get these. So there's, you know, when when you're a f- professional sports person, lots of people trying to get to you all the time, right? So, um, and yeah, you know, we used to have people coming in left, right, and centre trying to sell like you know apartments in Bulgaria and Egypt and somewhere else like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And loads of the lads went on, like bought them or whatever else, and and it, it didn't work out. But some do, obviously some don't. But um, 
But my, so my, they, they would come in and, and talk to you as as a team, or would they come through yeah. agents? How did it work? Yeah, normally it would happen through one of the lads, right? One of the lads would know someone and they, who they're friends with, or they'd become pally with. Maybe they were they bought in Bulgaria or wherever it was, and then they sort of said, oh, can we come speak to the lads? And so they would organize it. So they'd come in and speak at lunch or something to all the players. And so they, you know, they got access relatively easily, which was, was not, not maybe wise, but, um, mm -hmm. but anyway, I, I sort of avoided all that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, I listened to it, but I, I did actually invest in one in Egypt from memory that I think I did all my money on me and another ex-international Colin Jarvis Bought one in Hagada. God knows where it is now. There we go. It, Probably still with Hagada running around it's a, somewhere. It's a proper holiday home, is it, Ollie? You use it all the time, it sounds like. Yeah, been there long. <laughs> so, um, but but I mean, so so yeah. I mean, that that was small money, but but you know, still no education really about what you're doing and how you evaluate it all. But I, I was always a big fan of property, and I I, I always wanted to get involved in that. Um, and then you know, mine, you know, my scenario was a, was a, was a poor one. It, it came from basically a, a sponsor at the club, we, you know, me and another guy had been involved with them all the way through. Um, they'd been our player sponsor for sort of three, four years and we'd gone to them, we'd saved up 25 grand each. And we sort of said, look, you're one of the largest house buyers and house builders up in the Northeast. We, you know, we want to, we'd like to, if you, if you come across a deal, we would love to get involved and buy one you know if we can his, we've got 25 grand each saved up for a deposit can can he help us and they were like yeah like your family will look after you all this sort of stuff and then yeah i got a very boring story short i, I went away to uh i can't remember where i went dubai and somewhere else with england for about three three months i was away for a world cup and something else and i came back and i just couldn't get into my at home my house I was trying to push the door open. It was wedged. There was all these letters behind it. I was like, what the hell is this? So I eventually got in and it turned out that they'd like, basically committed mortgage fraud. They, they'd, um, they'd taken six and a half million quid in borrowing my name. And it was back in the day when you could do a self-cert mortgage. So they had a, like a loans writing business that they could write the loans on, um, so they did. I'd been on holiday with them and stuff like that. So they had a copy of my passport. Um, God. So yeah. So it, and I, they so they were using your signature and things like that as well. Well, they just faked my signature. Yeah. So they just forged it. So they could write them. They'd had a dodgy lawyer that would obviously just sign everything off, and um, they would fake my signature on the documentation so they would go through and they and they had a loans writing business so they could write the loans themselves back then this was Jeez. before this was in 07 08 mm -hmm. just before obviously all the crash came um and i was on what was i on at the time i was on 40 grand a year at that point in time and the mortgages were 25 grand a month so bloody hell so, this must have been so scary for you uh i mean at, at the time i really trusted them I absolutely yeah. trust them 100%. So I went to them and sort of asked what was going on. And they said, look, there was some, it was too good to turn, there was, you know, deals too good to turn down. And they wanted to look out for me and help me and, you know, set me up for the rest of my life and all this sort of yeah. jazz. Me and the, another, another friend of mine. And then 
it was just something. I mean, I think it was, I think it was that. I think it was, I was on 40 grand a year and it was 25 grand a month. And I was like, this is not, <laughs> you know, this doesn't work. And um, so I went to a, actually another one of the sponsors of the club, but a law firm and just said, look guys, can you have a look at this for me, please? Cause I just don't think this is right. Like I don't, and they were like, this is mortgage fraud. Yeah. And, and yeah, cut a very, very, very long story. I mean, that, mistake cost me if you like 12 years of my financial life but um, but you know they, they because I ended up as the lead witness for the police prosecution they got six years imprisonment for mortgage fraud um, but I mean out the at the back of it forget the criminal side of it all, but the civil side meant that until they were convicted I couldn't actually get any credit I can get a credit rating because my obviously the banks were sort of saying no, this is all your debt, and I was like, well, it's not, and they were like, well, it is until proven otherwise. Yeah. So, you also think about how long that sets you back in terms of if you haven't bought a property over that time period, how you you know missed out growth and all those sort of things. It's it's mad. And I I always think when you hear stories like that, there's always a tendency to think, well, you know, that was that was back then. It couldn't happen today, and and it's just not true. You know, there's this countless scams going on with cryptocurrencies and and other things in today's society so it's they always exist don't they yeah i mean you know i think you just become a lot more you know i certainly have become a lot more sort of cautious and cynical about certain things but um but yeah i think the the ramifications were were huge in terms of you know i I couldn't even oh i couldn't i couldn't get a loan i couldn't get i couldn't even get a credit card let alone so yeah, you kind of spend well for twelve years. I spent sort of my life sort of stood still from that perspective. But um, yeah. So is it is it all closed off now? Has it been dealt with? It's all finished, and you can move away from it now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the moment that they got imprisoned, that was that was in October two thousand and fifteen. I think it was around then. That then I could move forward on the civil side of it and get these this debt removed because I was arguing yeah. with the banks the whole way through saying that this isn't anything to do with me mm. um, and so when they eventually got banged up in 2015 that meant that I could then have advanced conversations with the banks but that, that still took four years, well three and a half years so and it was January 2019 that it all finally got put to bed Jeez. And how, how how common is that sort of thing in your experience, Ollie? So I know that was obviously an extreme example, clearly. But you know, do, can you think of most people you played with had had a had an example of something that went wrong? Or yeah, yeah, there's loads. I mean, those overseas investments, right? There's loads. I mean, there's loads of those all over the place, right? Um, hmm. And I, I don't think it's something that's limited to professional sports people, right? I think loads of no. people don't know what they don't know. Someone comes along with yeah, a get rich quick scheme or some sort like whatever and it's too good to be true and often it is mm. too good to be true right but they, yeah. but they follow their nose they, they go with it they put some money in and invariably they lose it so mm. you know i don't think it's something that's exclusive to sports people but i think because of the position if you like the popularity or the the, the persona that sports people have got mm. they're just more targeted because they, if, if you get a sports person, for example, from a PR perception, you know, the likelihood is if you've got you know, a footballer or a rugby player, more people, you can leverage them, you get more people to do it and take part of it. And so you, you know, 
you see all them like the pyramid schemes and whatever else mm-hmm. they're all going on that yeah, some of them are work and some of them are awful mm. definitely do you think that the world well the world in general but particularly the world of sport has evolved or changed in any way to try and sort of prevent other individuals from i guess being exploited in this way um i still i mean <laughs> They put obviously more safeguarding in, if you like, but it's, it's, there's always roots, right? If you've got an agent that just a bit dodgy, then they'll just open up and you'll get access to the individual. So, so yeah, I've, a, a bit, but yeah, I mean, it has got a little bit better. And I think they've, they've made a big effort on the sort of financial literacy, financial educational side of it all. But there's still a lot of cowboys kicking about out there that, that, um, to get access to people that they shouldn't really be getting access to and, mm. and, and i think as i said i don't think it's something that's unique to sport per se in terms of the, you know the people i think people are you know, building a successful financial platform for yourself if you do it properly is actually pretty boring right <laughs> it's, it's yeah. not that, you're like talking me. to us here <laughs> yeah we well, love this <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's 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 not like the sexy stuff. It's not like oh, here, you, know, you guys are not coming forward, going you know, put a grand in here, and in three years' time you'll have made sixty x yeah. on your money, right? Which is, mm. you know, which is sort of what all these people get excited about. About yeah. So, you know, it's all the like, wow, invest this now, and you'll be a multimillionaire. Yeah, you know, the reality is, if you invest frequently over a sustained period of time, and you can pick up between a, you know five to ten percent yield on your money or growth on your money you're doing bloody well but mm. but that's pretty boring right <laughs> that's pretty yeah. boring for a lot of people it's not that they're like oh great awesome i'll just stick it in a pension and i'll get it when i'm you know you can imagine like, i'm 20 21 running around you know chasing skirt and trying to be sort of like a rugby player and whatever else and someone says oh put what am I going to do with my thousand quid now? Am I going to spend it on going out or on a property in Hagada that I can make 30 X on, or yeah. am I going to put it into a pension that I'll see in 45 years that I just can't really touch or think <laughs> about? It's just, I mean, no, there's only okay, one winner, right? Ben, you were very quick to say yes then about this being boring. I come from the camp where I think that making a sensible financial plan is very, very sexy, but that's okay. I know that I'm in the minority, which is why I like my job. But um, no, I do, I do understand. I think that's very, very fair. Well, Gemma, this is why you and I don't socialise on the weekend, right? You know, it's, it's just... <laughs> don't have an off switch here. No, I was, I was going to add, though, I, I think, you know, with... with a lot of what's been put in place these days seems to be protecting um, younger athletes and helping educate them and all of those sorts of things. But in a way, the last two or three years, particularly since the pandemic, the want to try and become a millionaire, you know, yesterday, as it were, has only increased. You know, you look at all these trading platforms where people were invested in companies like GameStop and and then we've got the whole world of crypto, which we just seem to get asked about every hour these days. And people just want to become rich right now, don't they? And, and Ollie, you're, you're absolutely spot on. It's actually quite straightforward if you create something really diverse and, and spread your risk across all different areas and across the world. Achieving a, a sensible return um, should be straightforward, but um, sensible returns don't tend to um, get people excited. Yeah, and I think it's also when you're like, 
you know, as you're saying, like you're seeing your other peers around you who've who've pumped in something, and they're like, "Oh, I've made forty percent on my money overnight," and they're like, "Oh, great, I've I've put mine in my pension, and I'll see it in forty years." It's like, "Oh, okay." So, FOMO investing is real. It's a massive thing, and it's only growing, especially because investing and self trading is so accessible now that getting FOMO and wanting to invest into things that other people are and having a slice of the pie is huge. Yeah, I agree, and I just you know that's um. Yeah, that's unfortunately the half the reason why people do it, right? Because you, you want to keep up with the Joneses. No one ever wants to miss out. So, okay. So, um, finally, we often talk about identity in the world of sport, and we spoke about this um, in in a podcast the other week. Um, with with also discussing dual careers, which obviously in sport is um, is such a thing. We often see in the world of rugby that individuals transition into things like finance and property and, and things like that. And obviously, you've transitioned your, yourself. Um, what what's your experience been of the transition? And have you struggled with any sort of change of identity or anything? Perhaps for you, maybe slightly different because you've sort of maintained another business. No, so have I. Yeah, how did I experience the transition? I mean, yeah, it was bloody hard. I'll be honest with you. Like, it was really, really hard just because, I mean, I didn't, you know, I had a profession. That was my, my profession was playing rugby. Like, that was, I knew that inside and out. And like, I could, yeah, you know, I could call bullshit on other people. And I knew the industry inside and out. And I knew what good looked like. And I was equally really efficient and good at, at performing. So then to step away from that at any point, well, at the point that I did, and then have to sort of reinvent myself and figure out what to do next was, was yeah, it was a real challenge, I'll be honest with you. Like, it wasn't fun at all. Right? Um, because, it, well, just like we were saying around the financial stuff, you know, rugby's pretty fun. Like, it's yeah. a pretty <laughs> cool environment. Like, every day you turn up, you're paid to be in the spotlight you're paid to be fit as a fiddle you're paid to be you know eat all the right things and live a great life etc etc and like sleep as much as you want and just basically be basically be totally selfish and you're rewarded for it and then you know and then you've got to go out and and basically learn a whole new trade a whole new new skill set and at a time where most of the people in your sort of friend circle have already been doing that for like 12 years. So they're miles further ahead of you in the, in the curve, if that makes sense. Mm. So, yeah. So, yeah. So it was definitely a, definitely a, a, like a steep learning curve and also like a real challenge around if you like mentally and emotionally re-engaging around that and getting excited about that because you're already, you know, turning up into an office every day is, not that exciting compared to turning up in front of 80,000 people to play rugby for England on a weekend, right? So, Honestly, Ollie, you've just come on this podcast, you're slating pensions, you're slating going into an office. Oh. <laughs> come on, Gemma. All right, love it. No, but to be fair, what, what you were Monday talking about, will Justin. be sexy, Gemma. Don't worry, they will get there. You will, you will bring the sex into pensions. <laughs> Um, no, thank you. It, it does sound like it was super difficult and it's something that definitely, um, Ben, you'll probably agree with me on the um, work we've been doing with, with people in sport is that the identity crisis is massive and it's something that maybe hasn't been hugely well supported in the past, but just like with the financial lit- literacy and education is sort of slowly moving in the right direction with it. Mm, yeah, and I, I think you, you can compare it to 
being in the armed forces or something like that, can't you? It's the same thing when you when you drop out of of doing that and being in that environment. Um, everything else just just doesn't feel quite as exhilarating and exciting. And I think the only for most people that work in traditional careers, as as it were, um, the only time you maybe have that is is when you retire. Um, and I think you know in the world of sport, you end up having it a couple of times because you probably have that point where you need to transition and then the point where you ultimately retire later down the line. So, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I'm, I'm just interested, Ollie, because obviously you've, you've been through quite a lot and, and now you work in the financial world. Um, you know, if you were speaking to a, a youngster today, what, what would be your, your top tips to, to anyone that's starting out in, in any sport, really, when it comes to money? Yeah, I, I just, you know, get as much solid support around you as possible, right? I think that's the critical bit. I just good people that understand um, and have a really vested interest in your long-term financial future, your long-term financial security. I think, um, I think the, the biggest thing that lots of sports people make is you obviously go through a, a point in your career, at, at, like in your 20s, let's say in the early 30s, whereby your earning power is significantly higher than most other people around you with yeah. at, at that age, right? So you... You know, you can afford whatever, nice cars, nice clothes, whatever else, in comparison to your other mates, you know, who you come through university with or whatever else. And um, and so you you have a tendency, right, to, to if you like, to overexpose yourself to, like, bigger assets. You, you, you yeah. buy expensive assets at that point, whether it be cars, houses, or whatever else like that. And I don't think, properties. Yeah, like a yeah, of properties. And and I don't think anyone really educates you, well, they don't, around like the importance of cash flow. Mm, like, yeah. really don't educate you on that. So when they stop, they're like, oh, okay, you know, like, I still have got these massive assets, but like my earning, my cash flow has significantly reduced. And now I'm in like negative cash flow every month because I still I still have the same lifestyle. Like I still have to whatever it is, run my fast car or my five bedroom house or whatever else it is that they've got. Like I don't know, right? But so their expenses stay the same, but their income significantly dips. And and as a result of that, you 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 know, they they really struggle, right? And that's why they take bigger bets. Yeah. Take bigger bets. It's so difficult to do that reverse lifestyle as well. Like it's so easy for your lifestyle to creep up and we have a name for it, it's lifestyle creep, is to increase as, as your earnings increase. Um, but to do that on the reverse is much, much more difficult. Yeah, I agree. It's almost yeah, yeah. like simple rules, isn't it? That if everyone could have, you know, ne never take out a, a debt that's longer than your, your, your current contract, particularly on things like cars. Obviously it's more difficult with property because you tend to need to take loans over slightly longer periods of time but there's so there's so many simple lessons that i think could be instilled and uh, you made a really interesting point get get lots of great people around you from a young age and again one of the things i always encourage people to do is to try and speak to another if, if you're going to take on a solicitor or you're going to take on a financial planner speak to a few you know don't don't just speak to one because then at Definitely. least you'll you'll get some different opinions you'll see what different charges look like. You'll see what different offerings look like. And hopefully this, um, in today's day and age, there will be consistency between all, all the people you speak to. Um, but it also gives you that better peace of mind as well, right? That you've gone into it with um, with a, a view, a rounded view of what the market looks like. Yeah, I think the other thing that's pretty important though, I think is, and I don't know how you address that situation, but yeah, 
the, the the danger with all this is like you could see like five different IFAs or whatever else, but the one IFA that turns around and basically lies to you, but promises you that uh, they can deliver you, you know, twenty x and come and invest in the scheme in Hagada because you're going to make blah blah blah. And as a result of that, you're like, okay, wow. Well, if I do that, then I can keep up with the Joneses because I've just seen like two of the lads of the club come in with a, whatever, making it up, but like a DB9. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, like you're going to go with the you're going to go with the IFA that's lied to you, right? Because in the short term, that's all you're focused on. Yeah. That's all you're thinking about, right? So the one that's talking around, like, oh, I'll sit here and talk to you about your pension, and you know, unless the you know, Gemma who's made it obviously super sexy. It, it, it's not it's just not a conversation that you're like properly riveted by at that point in time so, so you, it's i think it's also about like the education you're getting getting to that point like yeah you know school and whatever else around like this yeah. is actually the but you know as as human beings in general like our attention is easily taken right? our eyes get turned yeah. pretty quick so you know, it, it it's about you know, how do you manage that process as well yeah, you're spot on. It is it, that that is so so difficult, and that is so. And, and the problem in that scenario is that if you're the advisor doing everything by the book, and you know, talking to them about diversification and spreading your risk, and, and talking pensions. to them about pensions and, and more sensible, you know, expectations, then you, you often might lose out, and you might not get the chance to to yeah. speak to to the person who's had advice or advice in inverted commas from somewhere else. And I think you're spot on. I mean, it's got to start from a young age with education and it's it's again it's it can be simple things it can be like clubs educating people on you know how to check that a firm is registered with the fca and clubs giving examples of of what good investments look like and parents parents, yeah yeah i mean mean, often that's the route right i mean a lot of these parents and it's just a bit sinister but a lot of these parents see their kids as like the the, the meal ticket right they see that as yeah, like the, the, the bit yeah. i mean i didn't have that thankfully but but you know like they see it as like their their way out and now they're going to make a load of money and whatever else so you know all of that is you know a disaster as well right especially when the kids are young because you wouldn't think to look to anyone else bar your parents for advice and to trust them for that type of thing yeah um, i agree yeah. you, you wouldn't know right but but i mean so I'm not saying I've got, I'm not trying to say it's impossible problem to solve, but I think that there's a, you know, there's an education piece that needs to go into this, which is like, okay, this is actually how we help people move forward and, and educate themselves so that they don't keep making the same mistakes as, as before. Yeah. Mm. Like, like you said before, it's not just the, the world of sport that is exposed to these problems, but it's massively exacerbated with people in the sports world not only because um, there are people probably more so trying to exploit them, but because, like you said before, in, in, if you are playing um, sports, then you're likely to come into money relative to your peers much earlier. So you're exposed to these things from a younger age when you've not had the benefit of, of time to sort of learn from mistakes and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you always, we always say, don't we? I mean, how many people make great decisions with their money in their, their early 20s and you know, the whole of their not. 20s? <laughs> And, uh, you know, you, you, as you said, you've got to in, in sport. It's just, it's not an option, um, yeah. particularly in certain sports where you may want to try and sort of semi-retire as, as the time you get to 35. You've got to really get a move on at a young age. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I, I think um, the, you know, the other issue is you've got, uh, you know, when you are 
you know, 20, 25, whatever, you're sort of in the prime of your life, right? You're young, impressionable. You've got a few quid on in your back pocket. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's all, I guess it's, you're more prone to sort of be the flash Harry and whatever else like that. So, mm. you know, so at that point in time, you know, it's, it's just about making sensible decisions and the right decisions. So you don't yeah, pay the penalty for it. I mean, I can speak for that from a lot, from my perspective, and you know, I don't pay the penalty for 12 years or whatever else afterwards. Right. Mm. Yeah. I've got a question. Did you ever go to the property in Hagada? No, never even got built. <laughs> it never got built. Never even got built. Well, I mean, that's what the developer said. I mean, it never got done in the end. So, oh, gosh. yeah, absolute disaster. But I think I, I mean, I I was in a small share of it. I I put five grand in, I think, and another player who I'd invested with had put the majority of it in. But either way, we both did our money. Mm. God, you you hear so many examples of this people buying properties off plan, and even in in London, you know, you you got places like Battersea Power Station, which is just obviously you know been finished, and and people having to put down big deposits and then pay lump sums at the end, which they might not have. I mean, it's again it's so easy um, mm. for these things to happen, isn't it? And again, and actually, it's funny, Ollie, isn't it? Because property, obviously, bricks and mortar, it, it always has that. Um, feeling of being a very safe investment but it, it shows that you know out of the right hands it, it's it can be anything but that yeah i think it's important of understanding debt right debt and equity mm. and the import as i said the importance of cash flow and getting a proper strategy and making sure you just understand and then equally not having a load of charlatans around you that you you, know, that you don't realize suddenly you know can chop you last minute yeah yeah, and I think you, you, you need someone in the mid. So there's obviously experts in all those different fields, whether it's it's taking mortgage, whether it's buying properties, whether it's taking insurance. You know, there's lots of different experts. But if you can have someone central in your life as an athlete that has those connections and, and actually, you know, is, is very good, at, has good knowledge of all those different areas, but isn't the specialist, then that's extremely helpful. And I guess, I guess that's what, you know, in an ideal world, an agent would do. Um, it just has, hasn't quite gone that way down the years. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, that's what you hope, right? That's your agent is there is just the kind of gatekeeper and is meant to mm. help give you exposure and protect, you know, to, to the good things and protect you from the bad things. But there, is, there are some that are excellent and do do that very well. And there are some that are atrocious at it, to be honest. Right. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. I think that that's everything. Thank you so much um, as well to Ben and Ollie. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for just being so open. As I was um, saying, I kind of felt like Oprah doing this. That's what it's all about, Jem. Just I'll start crying on you next time. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Have a good day. Cheers, team. Thanks. Thanks.